Okay, so at this time we're going to go into a time of the Word. So please do grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Psalm. And turn with me to Psalm chapter 46. We're going to be reading one verse from Psalm 46. And of course, unless otherwise stated, all of the scriptures I'll be bringing you today are from the New King James Version of the Bible. So have you found the book of Psalms? Have you found chapter 46? If you have, turn with me to verse 10, Psalm 46, verse 10. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I want to begin this morning by asking you a question. And that question is, which one are you? Are you the person right now who you're logged on, you're tuned in, but actually you can't see me because your device in which you are listening to, hearing me on this morning is in the background and therefore you're not actually watching me, but you can hear me whilst you're multitasking on the other side of the room or perhaps in the kitchen preparing your breakfast or your coffee or even an early lunch. Are you the type of person who is tuned in this morning and actually you can hear and see me on your device? But the only thing is, is that you have another device right next to the device that you're watching me on, which has got your current series on it, or perhaps the sports news, or perhaps the news, so that you can be glancing between the two devices at the same time. Perhaps you're the person this morning who is tuned in and you can hear me and you can see me, but actually you're multitasking on your phone. You're taking care of business. You're trying to get a heads up and a head start on the working week. And therefore, you're actually working alongside listening to me speak this morning. Or perhaps you're the type of person who's on your phone this morning and you're not taking care of business. You're not working, but actually you're messaging friends simultaneously as this message is going forth this morning. Perhaps you're the type of person who's tuning in this morning and you're saying, hey, look at that sweater that PK's got on. It's a very nice sweater. Yes, indeed it is. Thank you very much. I appreciate your thoughts in advance. Or perhaps you're on this morning and you're looking at me as a guy and you're thinking, how is it that PK in the midst of a lockdown is still looking fresh and he's got a sharp trim and his beard is looking healthy and I'm not sat at home around my kitchen table or in my bedroom looking like a heathen right now because I have not had a trim since the Old Testament days. I don't know which one you are, but the title of my message this morning is are you distracted? Are you distracted? Would you go ahead and put in the chat this morning the question, are you distracted? Would you go ahead and put the hashtag, are you distracted? Because let's be honest, all of those examples that I've given you this morning are all examples that, if we're being honest, we can all identify with from time to time. We can all identify with the fact that we're supposed to be sat down and tuned into the word on a Sunday morning, but we've been distracted by other things, whether it's work issues, whether it's the kids, whether it's family who have come around. We can all identify with being distracted. 
And the reality is, is that we live in a day and age where so many things are vying for our attention that we have actually lost the ability to sit still and know he is God. Let's be honest. So many things are vying for our attention that at times we've lost the ability to stop what we are doing even on a Sunday morning, just to be sat in front of the screen and to tune in and press in to hearing God's word without being distracted. And so I ask you once again this morning, are you distracted? Would you turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 10? I want, 10 rather, I want to read to you verses 38 through to 41. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through to 41. It reads... As follows. Now, as it happened, as they went, that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. Just one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her what was that good part that she chose she chose to sit at the feet of jesus to sit at someone's feet was an expression in ancient times that indicated the relationship between a disciple and a rabbi to sit at someone's feet quite simply meant that you were making yourself their student their protege their disciple and a disciple was someone who had chosen to be with their rabbi as much as possible in order to learn everything that they could from them so that one day they could be like them. My question to you is, when last did you sit at the feet of Jesus without the distraction of another thing or another person so that you can grow more in the word and become more and more like Christ? You know, in times past, in some countries, they would kill people in quite a gruesome fashion and manner. And one of those uh, ways in which they would kill people was called death by extraction. And the way it would work is that they would tie a horse. They'd get four horses and they would tie those horses to both your arms and both your legs. And some of you know where this is going. You'll have one horse tied to your right arm, another horse tied to your left arm, another horse tied to your right leg, and another horse tied to your left leg. And then those horses would be commanded and pulled to charge in the opposite directions from each other in order to extract your body and to kill people in such a gruesome manner. As gruesome as it may sound, in the spiritual sense, we must be careful that the cares of this world and the distractions of life that come our way don't cause us to be pulled in so many directions that we are distracted to extraction. And so with that said, this morning, I'd like to share with you some of the signs that show us that we are distracted in 
our spiritual walk. And so should you be taking notes, here is my first point to you. Number one, when you are too busy to spend time in the presence of God. When you're too busy to spend time in the presence of God, trust me, that means you are distracted. Now I know that God is omnipresent and I know that he is with us everywhere, but that does not forsake actually spending quality time with him. I like to use the example of a relationship. You might not always be with your partner throughout and you might speak to them through text and WhatsApp throughout the day, but that doesn't substitute quality time face to face. And it's the same when it comes to our study of the word of God and being in his presence. From the scripture we just read a moment ago in Luke chapter 10, we can see that it is possible to be busy serving in church. We can see that it's possible to be busy with work, even preparing the house of God or preparing the house for God and doing the things of God, but actually not hearing from God or growing in our personal relationship with him. That doesn't mean that you now drop everything and you stop serving, but rather it should be a timely reminder that the key to our spiritual walk is to ensure that the worries and the busyness of life does not stop us from sitting at his feet. Martha, Martha, you are worried about many things. You know, sometimes the challenges of life and dry seasons we encounter are a reminder that we haven't been praying as we ought to, that we haven't been studying his word as we ought to. And so I want to challenge you this morning to think about what it is that is distracting you from doing just that. Previously, some of you, you blamed time as a factor. But as time has gone by, you realize actually it wasn't time. It was a lack of passion. Can I challenge you to look internally and question yourself and ask yourself, what is it that is distracting me from spending time in the presence of God? Here's my second point to you this morning that is an indication that you are distracted. And here it is. When idols unknowingly become center stage in your life. Number two, when idols unknowingly become center stage in your life. Now note, I didn't necessarily say the center of your lives. We know that would be flat out idolatry, but center stage. I say that because sometimes you may not even realize that idols have taken the center stage of your life in a particular season of your life. The word of God tells us in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, that we shall have no other gods before him. And again, when I say idols, some people automatically assume or think other gods. And that's just one example. But let me tell you this. Anything that replaces God or quality time with him has or can become an idol. I know that we've pushed relationship matters back, but let me use relationships as an example. I've met couples who, when they got together, they had peace about the relationship. But later on down the line in that relationship, they lacked peace. Is it that God changed his mind? Or is it that something went wrong down the line and they got distracted? The truth of the matter is, I've seen many people who have started out with peace and have ended up with a lack of peace because they became distracted. They made that relationship an idol. They made that the forefront of their walk with God. Before, they used to be online for midweek gatherings, for prayer meetings, for discipleship class, but now they're in love. 
And so they want to spend all that time talking to the other person. And now God is no longer that threefold cord. He's no longer the center of that relationship. They have become a distraction to one another. They have made it an idol. It's been all of their focus. They're going into this month thinking, here comes another Valentine's. Where's your boyfriend? Where's your girlfriend? That's all they're thinking. And therefore, they've made it an idol and they have become distracted with that. Did you know that too much television can become an idol? Right now, I'm excited because we're in the midst of a lockdown and I got some good news a little while back. The good news was that they released season three of Marcella on ITV. Don't watch it. Just watch your Bible. Just watch sermons. But did you know whether it's Lupin, whether it's Brother, whether it's Marcella, whether it's you awaiting line of duty like I am, whether it's any other TV series that you're plugged into, do you know that you can get carried away for hours watching that compared to how much time you spend studying God's word, compared to how much time you spend praying and just worshiping on to God? Too much TV can become an idol. Too much social media can become an idol that is distracting you. And therefore, we have to be careful and ask ourselves, are we distracted? It is down to you to look at your life and ask what it is that perhaps might have become an idol in this season of your life that is stopping you from hearing God's voice and stopping you from spending time in his presence. Here's number three. Number three, the third thing that is a sign that you are distracted is a desire for past sins and temptations. A desire for past sins and temptations. Listen to Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 11. I love this verse. Listen to it. It says, as a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Let me read that to you again. Proverbs 26, 11. As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Now, I want you to know that this scripture is an aphorism. It also appears in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. Very easy to remember. Just think of four twos. 2 Peter chapter 2, 22. The scripture references that fools are stubbornly inflexible. And this is illustrated with the repulsive smile of a dog that eats its vomit again, even though the dog knows that returning to its vomit, its vomit is actually poisonous and not good for itself. Dogs were considered unclean in biblical times as they were commonly scavengers of the dead. And they appear in the Bible to be repugnant creatures that symbolize evil. In Proverbs, the fool that is referenced in this verse represents a person lacking moral behavior or discipline. And in the word of God, the wise represents someone who behaves carefully and righteously. And so I want to tell you that when the enemy wants to distract you, do you know what he's going to do? He's going to try and tempt you to go back to foolish ways and foolish things that God has delivered you from. Whether it's a negative way of thinking that is created through frustrations or the temptation to repay evil with evil. Whether it's a bad or immoral habit or relationship, he will wait until you are low, until you are weak, and he will convince you that you've done so well to have moved on. But you know, it's been a while. One revisit, one conversation, one DM, one text message, one retaliation won't do you any harm. But Ephesians 4, 27 reminds us 
not to give room to the devil. All he needs is a little inch, a little bit of space to enter in, to do harm in your life. And this is why John chapter 8, verse 44 tells us he is the father of lies. I have my own rendition of that. I say he is the family of lies. He is the mother of lies. He's the father of lies. He's the son of lies. He's the daughter of lies. He is a father of lies. Therefore, it is so important that you don't get distracted. Would you go ahead and put in the comments right now, don't get distracted. And I want to say to you, if you have been distracted during this lockdown, you've allowed, to, you've allowed the flesh to get ahead of you, don't believe the lie that you might as well quit and carry on in the error of your ways. No, please get back up again and get back on track because Proverbs 24 verse 16 tells us a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up again. Here's the fourth sign, the fourth sign that you are distracted. It leads on nicely from number three. And here's number four, wallowing in regret. Wallowing in regret. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17 tells us, if anyone, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Listen to me. When I'm talking about wallowing in regret here, I'm not talking about regretting opportunities that you haven't taken or the like, no. I'm talking more so about the mistakes you have made, things you have done that the enemy and others are trying to convince you with to say, hey, you're not right with God, you're not in right standing, you're not qualified, you're not worthy. These are the type of regrets that you need to be mindful of. You need to be mindful of them because they are lies of the enemy. And Romans 8.1 tells us that if anyone is therefore in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. In fact, Micah chapter 7 verse 19 says, he will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. When you start having thoughts about your yesterday, when you start having thoughts about things that you've already genuinely asked God to forgive you about and have moved on from, then all of a sudden they are trying to creep back into your life through random thoughts, random things, people who represent evil or your past. Please remember the scriptures that tell us that we can cast down these strongholds and every evil imagination that the enemy tries to convince you with. You are victorious through Christ Jesus, so please don't get distracted. And so I want to finish up this morning by telling you what you can do to, un to avoid unwanted distractions in your life. What can we do to avoid unwanted distractions in our lives? And we're gonna learn a lot by looking at the life of Hezekiah. So turn with me please to 2 Kings chapter 20 and I'm gonna read from verse one onwards. 2 Kings chapter 20. I'm reading from verse 1 and it says, In those days Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, 
I pray how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Verse four. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. And verse six, and I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant, David. So what can we do to avoid unwanted distractions looking at the life of Hezekiah? Well, I want you to look at the very first um, thing that Hezekiah does when he receives this bad news of setting his house in order, when he receives this news that he's going to die. Look at it in verse 2. Have you found it? Second Kings, we're still in chapter 20. Look at verse 2. It says, Then he turned his face toward the wall. Pam with me for a moment, would you? Hezekiah turned his face toward the the wall. Hezekiah receives this bad news and he turns his face toward the wall. Question, why did he turn his face towards the wall? Because we all know that to pray, you can pray anywhere, anyhow. You can pray with your eyes open, you can pray with your eyes closed. Why is it that he turned his face towards the wall? Is it possible that he turned his face towards the wall because he did not want any distractions around him to prohibit his focus of what he needed to do in that moment of his life, which was to pray and cry out to God? Maybe he didn't want anybody passing by to distract him. Maybe he didn't want anybody in the space that he was in to call out to him, to start a conversation with him to invite him to be somewhere that he didn't need to be in that season of his life. And therefore he turned his face toward the wall. A great preacher once said, if you ever forget what your next line is, just repeat the last line and walk back over to your notes. So what he said is, if you ever forget your next line, just repeat what you said and walk back over to your notes and then you can continue with your service. But Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. Is it possible that he turned his face to the wall because he said, I do not want to get distracted. He wanted to create a place of solitude. And let me tell you, every one of us have to get to a place where we're saying, I'm not gonna be distracted by the cares of this world. And rather, I'm gonna turn my face to God. I'm gonna create a place of solitude where it's just him that I hear and his voice alone that I am tuned in to. Hezekiah had to take a moment to be with God without distractions. He didn't wait until service that Sunday or the next prayer meeting to turn his face to a place where he wouldn't be distracted by anyone or anything around him. And as a result of his private prayers, God sends Isaiah, the prophet, who was the messenger, to go back to him with a new message that his life will be extended. 
in order to avoid distractions we have to turn our face to the wall we need to go into our room we need to switch off our phones we need to deactivate our account for a little while we need to go into our closet and create an environment where we can pray and speak to God without distractions are you distracted the second thing that I found amazing about this story is that Hezekiah didn't accept the negative. He didn't accept the negative. Now listen very carefully to what I'm about to tell you. It's one thing to accept what God says. If God tells you to put your house in order, you know it is game over. When God has said it, that is it. But Hezekiah, even with that, as powerful as, powerful as he knew God to be, he said, I'm not even going to accept that as my fate now let me tell you this if hezekiah wasn't going to accept the negative fate of god he certainly he certainly wasn't going to accept the negative faith of man certainly which leads me to question how many of us accept the negative things of life and the negative comments of a man that god hasn't spoken over us in comparison to the positive things that God has spoken over us and has said about our lives. Please don't be distracted by what the negative comments of man may say about you and your life. Please don't be distracted by the news which tells us day in, day out, the amount of COVID deaths, but doesn't take the opportunity to tell us about COVID recoveries. Remember Joshua chapter one, verse eight, which tells us to meditate in his word day and night so that this book of law may not depart from you. Focus on what God says about you. Focus on what God's word says about you so that you will not become distracted in your faith walk. And third and finally, Hezekiah didn't overlook the messenger. He didn't overlook the messenger. And this is important because let me tell you this. God could have spoken to Hezekiah directly and said, put your house in order. But he chose not to. He chose to send Isaiah the prophet. And let me tell you this. Sometimes God speaks to us directly. Sometimes he uses messengers. Do you remember David in the word of God? Go and look in the Old Testament and see how many times the Bible tells us David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. And the Lord said, and the Lord said. But there was a season in his life where David couldn't hear God, that God had to send Nathan, the prophet, to bring a message to him. And I've realized that sometimes we get distracted and we miss what God is saying to us because it became or it came or was delivered to us through a messenger. And therefore, we overlook the messenger and miss the message. And a great example of that is found in Joshua chapter 7. I encourage you to go and read it in your own time. God tells Joshua in chapter 7 that when the people go to battle, they should take no plunder of the land. Now notice, God doesn't say to Achan directly, when you go to battle, don't take any plunder of the land. He tells Joshua and Joshua passes this message on to the people. I strongly reckon that if God told Achan directly, don't take any plunder of the land, Achan would have obeyed. But what Achan decided to do is he decided to hear the corporate message. He decided to hear the message from Joshua and he didn't think it was for him personally. He thought, oh, it's just for us. It's not necessarily relevant to me. And therefore he decides to walk in disobedience because he overlooked the messenger and therefore missed the message. 
I wonder how many times we miss out on what God is saying to us because somebody hasn't come up to us and specifically prophesied it in our life, but actually God has used a messenger, whether it be from a pulpit, and to address the congregation. And because it's gone out to the congregation, we don't take it personally because that person's not come up to us personally and we miss the message because we overlooked the messenger. Can I encourage you not to be distracted with how God will and can speak to you. Please don't miss the messenger when God sends someone your way to bring a message. Because sometimes we get distracted in the big things or in how we would like things to be done that we miss out on that message. And sometimes we become distracted as a result of looking for the message directly that we overlook the messenger in which it's been sent through. Let me tell you this, Adam and Eve became distracted and it was very costly, even so much so that we are paying the price today. God has come and he's forgiven us of our sins. He became the second Adam to redeem us. But I want you to know that every decision we make, yes, we can receive forgiveness, but sometimes we still have to serve the sentence of that decision. This is why it's very important that we do everything we can to not become distracted. Nehemiah had a purpose to rebuild the wall. The people tried to convince him to come down and he refused. He didn't want any distractions. You can't allow distractions to derail you from your purpose. You have to be focused and stay in him and in his word. So for the last time this morning, would you go ahead and put in the comments, are you distracted? And then go on and answer that question and say, don't get distracted. Would you bow your heads wherever you're tuned in from this morning? And would you just take a moment and say, Lord, I don't want to be distracted from your presence. There are so many things vying from my time, vying from my attention. So many things that I find myself multitasking and doing all these things. And even sometimes being that messenger where I'm giving a message to others, but actually... I don't want to be the person, even as Paul prayed, that will be a signpost to others and a castaway myself. Lord, help me not to be distracted with the cares of this world, that I don't stop to sit at your feet, to be in your presence and to hear your voice in my life. Would you go ahead and pray that this morning? Would you say, Lord, I want to hear you above the noise, above the stats, above everything else. I want to hear you. I want to sit at your feet and just dwell and bask in your presence, Lord. So help me that I may not be distracted because we live not by sight, but we live by faith.